0: All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Juliana.
1: My name is Cozy.
0: And we are two broke college students who decided to make a podcast. This
1: is true. We're extremely broke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we both go to USF in Florida, and I am an anthropology major.
1: I'm a psychology major.
0: And we just decided to start a podcast just talking about things that interest us. So it's basically just going to be like a philosophical analyzation of things such as nature the psyche religion culture things like that and we'll be both giving you our perspective mine will be more of like an anthropological one and his will be more of a psychological slash physiological one
1: not physiological
0: or philosophical yeah there we go
1: so we figured we'd start with an interesting fact for uh, every podcast that we did so and we when we do in the future so i decided to take a quote by robert Oppenheimer. When he saw the atomic bomb go off It's pretty disturbing stuff actually So he said a few people laughed A few people cried Most people were silent I remember the line from the Hindu scripture The Bhagavad Gita Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince That he should do his duty To impress him he takes a multi-armed form And says now I am become death The destroyer of worlds And he actually recited that line When he saw it go off
0: That's kind of spooky.
1: Yeah, it is kind of some disturbing stuff. Um, I I have a couple notes here that I I thought would be interesting to say. One of them was, you know, when you look at the nature of the Bhagavad Gita, it's a text about non-action, but a different type of non-action than a Buddhist kind of non-action. It's not about actually not doing a physical activity. It's about non-action of thought and being. So when he said this to uh, Arjuna, he was trying to tell him that he needed to fight this war. That's the, whole, the Bhagavad Gita takes place on a battlefield. And he had to fight the war because it was the right thing to do, not because it was the best way to do it because it's the only way it could happen at that time.
0: That is certainly an interesting fact. Mine's going to be a little less disturbing. Um, I was on Science News earlier, because I guess that's what nerdy people do, and I found this article that came out in the beginning of March, and it's actually covering something that happened at the University College London, and experts are actually recreating a mechanical Cosmo device, so it's basically a hand-powered thing that was used to predict astronomical events, which is pretty cool, and for a while they had this evidence of this artifact, and they were missing a piece, so like, not actually physically missing a piece but they didn't know how to put it together and they basically figured it out and they got some exact measurements of something going on in the cosmos and yeah I just thought that that was cool.
1: Yeah it's definitely a lot less depressing than mine.
0: (laughs) Well it's cool because they're actually going to start trying to recreate it using ancient technology so more recently they did it using modern technology and now they're gonna be trying to use the past.
1: Yeah, I read an article that they actually found that's a similar device to that on a Roman cargo ship. So I imagine they were probably widely used during the time.
0: Yeah, like GPS. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely interesting stuff.
0: So this week our topic is gonna to be something broad, just to get us started. In the future, we're going to be focusing on probably more like precise either time periods or cultures or religions, and we're both going to be doing our own research on the topic and then come together and just kind of have a little discussion of what we found.
1: Yeah, what our plans are is we're going to take research without you know revealing what we're working on or what we're researching, and then we're going to kind of just present it Um, on a blank slate to each other.
0: Yeah, we're just going to dive in, have a little chit-chat, per usual, but this time we're just recording ourselves. (laughs) So do you want to introduce the topic?
1: Yeah, so the topic we're going to do today is we're going to discuss how society is changing with our generation, uh, how the past influences the future, things of that nature. And
0: just issues that we feel like we face personally, that we have experienced on a broader scale of our peers and those around us. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to start off or do you yeah, want I'll me to? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start off. Okay.
1: So I just wanted to discuss some of the increasing mental health problems due to technology. What is your take on this? I'll start Well, I'll start by asking the question and then we'll see what you have to say about it.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like because in some aspect technology is so new, we don't really know the complete side effects of it yet like long-term wise especially with younger children using things but I don't know I'm sure it's probably not very good do you do you have any statistics
1: I don't have any statistics on how technology is causing mental health problems but I will say I have some statistics on what is occurring in the past well in the recent years and you can only assume that technology plays a part in it
0: yeah it's probably definitely correlated in some aspect
1: So, one of the things, this is from a 2019 survey. The percentage of adults aged 18 and over with regular feelings of worry, nervousness, or anxiety is 11.2%. Percent of adults aged 18 and over with regular feelings of depression is 4.7%.
0: Wait, that's it? I feel like it would be a lot higher. I mean, you got
1: to think that not everyone is coming out and saying, I'm depressed. Yeah, you're right. Or I have these issues. You're right. And it's a survey. You know, there's limitations when it comes to a survey. Well, do
0: you know, oh, are these like people actually being diagnosed with depression or just feelings of depression? These are just
1: feelings of depression. It was a survey done. uh, It was kind of like a census done. Mm -hmm. And people just kind of said that they had these feelings of worry, nervousness, or anxiety. But, you know, depression is one of the pe- one of the illnesses that people are less responsive about. They're not going to be constantly talking about their depression. But anxiety, worry, and nervousness, 11.2%, that's almost triple the percent of the adults feeling depression. So it is something to think about. You know, people could easily have depression accompanying these symptoms.
0: Yeah, for sure. I was just trying to look up some depression statistics, but I feel like they're kind of aren't that many this one says that 6.7 percent of the u.s adult population well you know
1: depending on depending on the survey there will be different statistics uh but i think at the end of the day it's probably somewhere around five to seven maybe eight percent from i just I've feel like at. it's so
0: much more like i feel like especially with social media maybe and this is just another issue within itself but i feel like people almost glorify this aesthetic of being depressed and sad, and whether it's because they're just genuinely expressing themselves and sharing their feelings to try to help with themselves, or it's like unfortunately people trying to get attention for that.
1: Well, how many people do you know that have done the survey?
0: Well, I don't know anyone who's done the survey.
1: Exactly. I don't know where they're doing the survey, but I imagine. There's a lot of limitations when you're trying to find the prevalence rate for a whole country. Okay. I know. I've never okay, seen those. No okay,
0: okay. I know. I know. I'm not saying these statistics have to be perfect. I'm just saying.
1: No, they give us a good idea, though, because you have to think that these are what these are the people and the percentage of the people that are willing to speak out about these things.
0: Yeah, you're right. And on the topic of speaking out about things, I think social media is an awesome resource for people to use their voice and have a message heard. But I feel like on the other side of it, it's also extremely harmful to younger children and people within our generation in their 20s and stuff. Just everyone trying to live up to that perfect picture and feel the need of constantly letting people know what they're doing, kind of as like a source of validation. I mean, that has to affect us. How do you think that that affects us psychologically?
1: I think it causes immense issues with our minds, with our image that we have of, ourso- of ourselves, and I think that social media is a direct reflection of media itself. I mean, media has been enforcing gender roles, teaching us as, as we since we were younger, you know, what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl, and we take these things with us, and then we kind of we're a part of the problem. I mean, we start posting these pictures of the perfect image, we edit them, we do all these things to make us appear like something we're not, and it's because these roles and these image and this imagery that the media feeds us is essentially unobtainable. So few people have the image that they portray.
0: That's so true. And then, and then these people and young girls and boys look up to these influencers of social media as role models... And I feel like there are some, I do follow some influencers that do show that raw, vulnerable side of life, which I think that should be more mainstream and, and, you know.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, but I have to say that those influencers are definitely few and far between. For sure. I have not seen that many that I could say I think are raw and unfiltered. Because, you know, they got to protect their image, their brand. If they say something that who owns them might not like, it's over with. So I think that these social media influencers are kind of caged in.
0: Yeah, but you do also have this aspect of the fact that we're living in an era that is focused on mental health. And, I don't know, it's kind of like in our parents' generation, they were kind of raised to be very, like... I don't know, not emotionless, but kind of just stay in your own lane. Do not worry about anyone else. Kind of, not money hungry, but drive. And you have to do what you got to do. Kind of, what's that? What's it called? Uh, Cutthroat.
1: I mean, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with that mindset. No, what
0: do you mean? There's so many things wrong with it. I think that, I mean, if I think about how my father was raised, social, I mean, not social, mental health was never talked about. It wasn't like, hi, like, are you okay? Like, how was your day today? It was like, did you get a good grade in school? Like, they kind of just didn't care about that stuff. It was very surface level, very non-intimate.
1: Well, that is one of the good things that the media has done. Well, social media specifically has done is it's allowed, you know, stories to come out that otherwise would have been unheard. I mean, it's easier to, you know, make a post about what you're feeling than doing it at a press conference in front of your friends your family it's easy to just kind of write it up and just let it go
0: for sure what about children who kind of don't fit in at school and I know that there's a lot of online communities that let these like kids take on kind of a different persona and I feel like that's kind of a part of like the video game community as well I don't know would you agree you're you're a gamer I'm not
1: yeah, I would agree that video games are a huge release to kids, especially you know some of the more the kids that are labeled as weirdos. Or introverts. I was, like, I was introverts. labeled as a weirdo, so I'm not riding on anybody. <laughs> but, yeah, no,
0: we're bo- we we were both weirdos, and we still are.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, still am. But I do think it is a release. But I wouldn't put that in the same realm as social media. Social media. That's kind of video games are its own category because you could find some of the most horrible things in that in that in those communities um imaginable but you know it's all anonymous that's why it's like that
0: well there's this new field of anthropology and it's called digital anthropology and researchers are starting to shift their focus into virtual realities and how the digitalization within technology has influenced and possibly inspired societies, and I watched this one film that I was assigned for a class, and this anthropologist immersed himself into a virtual reality, like a community, like an online video game, and he found out so many things about people, and it's interesting because in any video game, you get to create an avatar. You can kind of be whoever you want, and how was that experience for you as a young boy? What do you think that virtual reality aspect of video games brought you
1: and that's an interesting take um and i think that it brought me everything i wanted yeah. you know Aww, I, I was i love that i love rpgs and that's all about creating your well, own what's character. an rpg
0: to those who don't know
1: okay well i'd be surprised if those didn't know but it's a <laughs> role-playing game but yeah to to make your own character you know you pick their hair pick their face pick how muscular they are Pick what they do, or they a mage and it's so fine tuned that you can make it almost the perfect person, you know, just like the personality you wish you have, especially in some of these more immersive role playing games where you can pick the dialogue. You know, if you wanna be kind of this manly man you can, you could be like sensitive, depending on the scenario. And I think that it helps people express themselves in ways that they can't in society. You know, yeah, make-
0: it's definitely a form of escape that is easily accessible to those who have access to that kind of technology.
1: Yeah, and I think that it can help and I think it can hurt as well. For sure. Just like all things. But at the end of the day though, I think video games are a very interesting concept because it's kind of you're almost downloading into a whole another reality.
0: Oh, 100%. It's it's, the- it's a whole different culture within itself. I think that each video game community has different folk terms that happen within their cultural scene scene that like those outside of it wouldn't necessarily know of like i hear you talking about video games with a lot of your friends and there are certain innuendos that i don't understand
1: yeah that's a culture it definitely is yeah those that don't play would would understand what we talk about but you know i think that society itself technology is helping and hurting us and i think the reason technology is hurting us at the moment i think it will eventually lead to uh, improved livelihood but at the moment it's because our minds cannot keep up with the speeds that technology is advancing we still have the mind, we still have the same exact brain composition from those who almost no technology i mean it was only a couple hundred years ago we haven't had a major evolutionary stage I wonder
0: I wonder what kind of evidence there is and I'll make a note and look into it so I can talk about it next time but I wonder what kind of evidence there is like in the brain if there are any direct impacts or effects from using technology because you said um that we have the same brain chemistry as those who had no access which is an assumption, but I'm just wondering if that's true because that would be kind of crazy. I could see that it would make sense because I mean, what would that really do? It's not like it's doing anything biologically, it's not like we're having to adapt or anything. But I wonder if it has affected us that way.
1: I think that it's beginning to affect us, but I don't think it's on the level where suddenly it's going to drastically affect the brain. We've it's only been around for a couple hundred years. Honestly, no, not even... A, no, what? Not even... Well, technology itself, though, has been rising for a couple hundred yeah, years. Yeah, but I'm talking about ideas. this
0: day and age where everyone has yeah, a cell so phone in their pocket. Yeah, we're talking about the
1: past...
0: Decade, bro.
1: A hundred years.
0: No. Think about our parents. They weren't raised with cell not, phones. No,
1: 1920s were when the television started to kind of come out. Yeah, but I white. feel like
0: then that's a different topic because that's more so how that level of media and advertisement affected well, a society that had began, no longer like
1: it still kind of began you know affecting the minds with advertisements and things all but the reason i'm saying this is because i think if there were to be a mental effect in the brain it would be due to the constant looking at screens
0: yeah i agree i struggle with that i mean with school being online right now when him and I are both done at the end of our day, like our heads are just killing us. Like you almost feel like more drained sitting at home looking at your per- computer screen for eight hours than you do being on campus.
1: One hundred percent, you do, and it's because there's there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of research that have come out about the effects of looking at a screen for prolonged hours.
0: Yeah. Um, how has school changed for you being online?
1: Well, I mean, you summed it up. It's unbearable. <laughs> My back's killing me. My arms are killing me. Everything hurts. My brain hurts.
0: My bones are weak. Every time I wake up,
1: every time I wake up, my bones break. <laughs> my lungs burst. Chocolate. My brain explodes.
0: <laughs> Chocolate. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. What's what's another topic you have? Do you have anything?
1: Um. Well, on the topic of society, I suppose. What do you think? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but what do you think? The media has to do with the influence of gender roles.
0: I mean, kind of like you were saying, that vicious cycle of culture is that we unconsciously reflect everything that is constantly displayed in front of us. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's two different sides of it, like there is to everything, but in today's times where things are a little bit more progressive, thank goodness. I think that it can help with gender roles because I think now you're seeing a lot of T V companies and companies do like commercials that push those gender norms. Oop goodness. That push those gender norms to the extreme and question what is right or wrong or pink or blue or I don't know. So I think that it's good and it's bad. Um I mean when I was growing up I can't think of any gay icons or any transgender role models or really anything like that for me. But now today children have a lot of people to look up to and similar people who have are maybe struggling the same aspects of like gender roles. I don't know. That wasn't worded correctly, but
1: No, I get what you're saying and I do agree. But um I do think at the same time advertisements are still fueling the fire.
0: No, they definitely are fueling the fire. I think it's funny seeing on Facebook when those mom groups get mad when, like, a company um, has, like, a a gay icon or something in it. Like, that's, like, when, I don't know if it was the Olympics, but the Simone, that girl, she's an Olympic gymnast, and Jonathan from Queer Eye, they're both, like, in little leotards on the gymnastic floor, and moms were furious. They were like, what is this agenda you're pushing on my my boys and girls? And I'm like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, that mindset really is just pathetic. But, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to what society thinks is okay. And right now, unfortunately, it is changing. But there still kind of is a stigma to homosexuality as being bad. You know, due to religious influence, a societal influence... And I mean, you know, parents kind of keep their kids in the same mindset. It is our fault as a society itself.
0: For sure. They keep them in that bubble.
1: But to touch base on what I mentioned about the advertisements, the reason I wanted to say that was because I actually had to study advertisements from the 80s and the 90s, and recently I had to look at toy ads in 2020. And I will say a lot of the stigma is still alive. One of the things that I found actually shockingly disturbing was that they'll often depict people of color in animal prints, kind of the subconscious idea that they're not a full hu- thinking human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll make it, you know, like sexy or whatever and make it appealing so you wouldn't recognize this, but sublim- subliminally these ideas stay with us mm-hmm. and we start to attribute you know, people of color with like beasts or like savagery. And it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty depressing when you look at that. But I will say we are moving past
0: that. Thank goodness. Fall- it's about time.
1: Yeah, for sure. We are moving past that, but I still do see the animal ads every now and again. Now, with gender roles, I had to watch uh, 20 minutes of toy ads for this assignment, my anthropology class. And what I found is that a lot of the stuff that I'm learning in my psychology of gender class, I was seeing it right before my eyes. It definitely
0: goes hand in hand.
1: Like, anything that involves mechanical thinking, mathematics, would always be boys, no girls.
0: Well, what's also interesting is I follow this one woman on TikTok, and she's an engineer, and she's, like, the lead engineer, and she always talks about what it's like to be a woman within that field, and there are so many things she struggles with, just with the people who work with her, like, just undermining her authority and things, and I think it goes back to just subliminal messaging of these men thinking that it's not a quote-unquote woman's job
1: well believe it or not there actually is some data that suggests that men do have better mechanical thinking but at the same time there is no data that suggests that women cannot reach that level Because a lot of uh, social things are keeping women back.
0: For sure. There isn't
1: the inclusion. You know, you go to school, most science teachers will be male and math teachers. So women just won't be inclined to go into that position. So even though there is some statistics that suggest that men are mechanical thinkers, you know, we really have to look at society itself because is that even correct? You know, a lot of these statistics are coming out and they're making very little sense to me at least because so many things come into play. You know, for you to say something like that, you have to that would mean that women and men are taking the same amount of classes, you know, have parents encouraging these roles. And that was one of the things that was said. Parents will encourage, you know, mechanical behavior buildings building, you know, mathematics and boys and they won't praise their daughters for that. And that's a that's a reason why you don't see them go into these fields.
0: For sure. I think advertisements like that. I mean, I can't label them as propaganda because that would be a little extreme, but I do definitely think they influence everyone's identity, which is why I can't wait for our generation to start raising children in a way that inspires them and motivates them to be and do whatever they want. So that should be interesting.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. But, you know, something new will always replace the problems that we have in each society. So we can't dwell on what is wrong. We we should dwell on what is right and how to make it better. For sure. But
0: I think that with gender roles and sexuality right now in today's day and time, I think it just has to do with our human species slowly coming to the realization of the fluidity of just nature. And we are a part of nature, so all of these labels and these roles and categories that society wants to put us in, once everyone starts to realize that we create them, there's really no meaning. I don't know. I just think that there's power in that to realize that we are all a part of this bigger thing and all of these smaller things really just don't matter.
1: Yeah, and I think we have to recognize that we give those definitions to ourselves. It's not, I mean, we're a part of society. You can say, oh, society's doing this, society's doing that, but we're sustaining it. And we are society when the society that taught us is gone.
0: But that's also because there's such a pressure to follow this quote-unquote status quo of normality, of what people expect you to do, or, I don't know, that fear of being judged.
1: You know, everyone's afraid of the unknown. No one really wants the unexpected to happen to them. And these people are so afraid that the li- the life and reality they knew growing up is being taken from them. And the reality is it- it's completely being taken from them. Everything that they were familiar with is completely gone.
0: Yeah, and did you hear that, Boomers? It's gone. Well, you know,
1: <laughs> I'm trying to more sympathize with them. I yeah, I'm hard, not. You can you know.
0: sympathize. I'm not. It's called Educate Yourself. Get up with the times, start respecting people. I get your side, and I uh, and you I know, I am on well, it as not well. Not all but of them
1: are disrespecting people, you know. Not it's not like every single boomer is evil, but no,
0: no, I'm just saying there is, you know, there the majority a of older people not really understanding those pesky rebellious teens. Well,
1: you know, they were probably the rebellious ones when they were growing up. I mean. <laughs> It was just a different rebellion back then. You yeah. know, now it's a rebellion of freedom. You know, we're trying to escape the cages society's put us put on us. And, you know, I think to do that we need to let go of these definitions. Like it doesn't make any sense. You know, just be who you are. You know, if you want to call yourself something, that's fine, you know. I don't think you should go around saying, "Oh, I am no definition," because then guess what? We're gonna create a word for that. You know, <laughs> yeah. every single time we create a word for something, it loses the meaning. You know, we cannot. I mean, could you tell someone that de- doesn't know how to taste what it means to taste something? Could you tell someone what it? Can you explain with words what it is to hear something if someone was deaf? Of course not. So every single time we try to create these definitions for these experiences, emotions, they don't do any any of them justice.
0: Yeah, it's definitely hard. Alright, so another thing I want to talk about, and I guess this will just be our last point and then we'll wrap it up, but I think that something I that really impacted me and that I think impacts a lot of people within our generation is this expectation to excel in high school, to be in high school for four years, to have a social life, to have that family aspect, and then to work hard in school, get good grades, to do your extracurricular activities, to do sports, and so on and so forth, and then to directly go into college, in which you're expected to complete in four years, when in all actuality, you've been told what to do your entire life, you've been given no freedom, you've been given no chance to really explore the depths of yourself and the world and the different opportunities out there and i mean i don't know i had a really strict <laughs> home life in high school and i just feel like these pressures that we're giving these high schoolers to be perfect in high school to be perfect in your social life to be a quote unquote well-rounded student and then and then i don't know test scores are going up to get into college and it's just so much pressure and it all moves so fast and I just don't know how anyone expects a child basically to know what they want to do with the rest of their life immediately after high school and I don't know that definitely affects all of us.
1: Yeah, I think there kind of is this stigma about not getting your life started right after high school because I think we need to just tell these kids it's okay to wait a little bit, you know. You're not going to die in your 20s. Well, odds are you're not going to die in your 20s. You know, you got a lot of life left in you. You don't need to immediately go to school and then just slave away at work until you die.
0: Yeah, well, and it's also like, so we're supposed to be in college for four years and then we graduate and then we have all of these like, beginning, entry-level jobs in which they expect us to have all of this experience, and as a senior in in college right now who is in an internship where I'm working my butt off and not getting paid, I'm in a fortunate enough position where I can do that right now, but it's like a lot of people can't, and so it's like, how are we supposed to graduate college, almost debt-free, which never happens, and then have all of this experience that they expect us to do? It's just kind of not reasonable. It's the
1: American lifestyle. You know, you got to work your ass off here. And, you know, I think we should be thankful for the opportunities that we have over some of these other countries. But at the same time, I think as Americans, we need to start thinking about the mental health issues that we were having because of this. You know, when we enforce these kind of societal demands of children, of teenagers, of young adults, it drastically affects how they view the world. And you know, I think they're more prone to give up.
0: They are. I feel like it almost gives them this pessimistic point of view because if things don't work out perfectly of this blueprint that is the outline of success, it's almost extremely disappointing and you get down on yourself.
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, especially let's say the grades are bad in high school. I've known plenty of people that just want to give up immediately because they don't, they think it's a never ending thing. And it kind of is. I mean, you know, I haven't been done with school since i popped out the womb i mean i'm still <laughs> i'm still in school it, it feels like a never thing to me but you know for someone like me i recognize that time is going to pass no matter what seize the opportunity but these people they don't know what the end goal is you know school doesn't do an adequate what uh isn't adequate in explaining the jobs that are out there you know they constantly are trying to just create workers they want you to get certain test scores you know there's no there's no answers being met for th- these questions why should I do this? you know when kids ask this that you get some ridiculous answer growing up and then they just want to stop and you know you can't you can't even blame them for ending it right then because they don't know where it's going they don't know what they can do and they don't know what they want to do because uh, the school system has failed them
0: yeah and I also feel like a lot of kids are pushed in the direction of, chasing a career that will lead them to a life of good money and being retired by 50 or 60 years old. It's its like there's almost this stigma of like chasing your dreams and doing what you love and something you're actually passionate about. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I get that a lot with anthropology. People will be like, oh, so you want to be a teacher? And I'm like, oh no, that is not the case. Well,
1: again, you can't blame them. You know, I think that There isn't, well, I think that we don't stress enough the jobs that you can get without schooling. You know, a trade, I mean, you will have to go to some school for a trade job, you know, like welding school or something. But it's it's by no means the amount of time you would be required to get a master's degree or a PhD. And it will pay about that, you know, about the same amount of money as some of these jobs that require a master's or PhD. I mean, I know welders can make upwards past, you know, six figures a year.
0: Oh, you know what's so frustrating is to think of our parents' generation where all of these older white men were getting all these opportunities with literally, like, no schooling. Like, uh, my dad's a CEO of a company, and I was like, hey, dad, did you go to college? He's like, no. (laughs) Like, that's just crazy, but I feel like that's also a part of the problem because that notion of the American dream in life of finding a good-paying job and this or that, that was more attainable then. It was it was easier to, to just kind of walk into somewhere with no experience or education, and you had someone who was willing to take you in and, and teach you within that field the skills that you need. But it's just, there's so many people now, I guess, maybe. There's so many workers in the field looking for jobs, so I don't know, I guess that might be a problem.
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, America kind of, Propagates this idea of hard work, you know, sustainability, family man, and a lot of it is illusion. You know, not everyone's gonna want to work. You know, 60 hours a week. You know, spending no time with their family just to put some food on the table. People want to live, especially. You know, we're losing religion as we're kind of going forward in time. People becoming either atheists or they're coming spiritual. And I think that, you know, the newer spiritual generation is wanting to break free. They're tired of this constant cycle, you know. Back then there was no other options. And I think that with that's one of the good things that social media has brought is that with the emergence of social media, we and the internet itself, you know, our parents didn't really have the internet. They weren't surfing the web, able to actually do research from their house, what jobs you can do. But now we can, I can look up right now the various jobs you can get with what degree and whatnot. And I think that it's causing people to break free from this old American mindset and wanting to change it completely, you know, to a life of freedom, life of expression.
0: Yeah. I like that though. It's a good thing. And I, and I feel like with that emergence of spirituality and on the complete opposite scale of like being atheist, I feel like that has to do with just a lot of the negative connotations that comes with being religious in today's time. I think that you have the more conservative side of religion that seems to kind of take the mainstream and they just run with it and kind of deter anyone from... I don't know. I don't really want to speak on this because I don't want to offend anybody. But I think that religion is good. It can be good. Um, But I think that there are a lot of leaders that need to be careful.
1: Well, I, I for one, think all religions are beautiful. And I think all ideas are beautiful as well because they are coming from a completely individualistic standpoint. You know, when a new idea comes, regardless of what it is, it is fresh, it is new, and we can learn from it, good or bad. And I think that that's where we need to go moving forward We need to stop arguing with each other Especially the religious and the atheists and the spiritualists Let's just agree on core ideas I mean, you know, you can argue Christianity all you want But you listen to what Jesus said Is anyone disagreeing? Love your neighbor as yourself Is that something that we disagree with? Of course not That doesn't make any sense There's no argument there There's nothing to fight You know, we always want to find We have to find things to get angry at each other We really do you know, If we just listen to the good things, agree on the good things, and just not think about the things we don't agree with, I think that society itself will be a lot happier. And I think us, especially as a generation, will be able to evolve way further than the previous one.
0: Yeah, I feel like once people start making those connections and, and seeing how really everything, every belief and things like that, everything's intertwined, there are underlying foundations that are similar within... A lot of societies and religions and beliefs and i think that it all just comes down to the fact that we are human and that we're constantly craving more and wanting to explore more and pushing our minds to understand things so it's a beautiful thing i don't know i love humans what do you what, what do you think about humans
1: you know i'm indifferent <laughs> no, i'm just kidding I, I love the No, human- you're
0: not kidding. <laughs> you're not kidding. <laughs> no,
1: I do love human beings. I love being a human. I love the ability to create, and I think that we all have a responsibility as creating beings. You know, we're a mirror image of God, say you will. We have a responsibility to help others see the right way. If we are doing good, then others will follow, and I think that's my uh, take on it.
0: Yeah, that's why I really love anthropology. I just feel like it gives me the opportunity to look at things from multiple perspectives and to understand human beings and all the different layers and colors that come with them and I think it's a beautiful thing if you let it be and if you don't let that that dark side of our humanity take over
1: well there can't be the good without the dark but you know I think we should wrap it up here um, uh, computer's dying, unfortunately, 8%, so we gotta end it now, but we liked, uh, you know, saying what we think, and hopefully you guys will like our further podcasts, anything to finish up with?
0: Um, no, uh, thanks for listening, and I hope you guys all have an amazing day, try to do something nice for someone today, try to make someone smile, make them feel good about themselves, because you probably need it yourself, so this is my message to you, I love you, you're great, you're worthy, have a great day.